Turn your Bibles to Matthew 4. Verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Pray that someone will learn something today from the example that Jesus set on how to handle temptation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everyone is going to face temptation. Jesus was setting an example for us how to handle temptation. My first point is, Jesus handled temptation by quoting scripture to the tempter. Let's read up the verse 4. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Sometimes we need to use scripture to our tempters. Sometimes we need to use scripture to ourselves. If you were with a friend and they tempted you to do something, um, just tell them that the Bible says to obey your parents. And sometimes, if you're tempted to do something, you need to just go look at yourself in the mirror and quote scripture to yourself. And then, if there's other people tempting you, you just need to go quote scripture to them. The second point is, Jesus handled temptation by not caring what was said about him. Let's read up to verse 6, and it says, And the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. People get tempted to hurt other people when uh, they get mad at them. Sometimes when people tempt you, you need to just walk away. So, and other times, you need to just, if someone says something bad about you, you need to just not care what they say about you and just forget about it. Because a lot of people, if they, if someone says something about them that was bad, they just get all upset about it. My third point is Jesus handled temptation by trusting the scripture. In verse 8, I mean, verse 7 says, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms and the, and the, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And him only shalt thou serve. Um, people get tempted to do stuff they know they shouldn't do. And if you get tempted to kill or steal, just remember the Ten Commandments. If you do get tempted, you need to just pray and ask God for help. For conclusion, some of the greatest people have, ever have fallen into sin because of temptation. For an example, David found the sin because of temptation because of Bathsheba. And Eve found the sin because of temptation because of the devil. And a lot of the greatest preachers today have fallen into sin because of temptation. We need to make sure we follow the example Jesus set whenever we face temptation. In verse 11 it says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Being tempted isn't a sin. Giving in to 
Temptation is a sin. Remember, it's not worth it in the end. Thank you. All right, well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. And what I'm going to... Do tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this message out. I'm gonna state some truths. All right. I'm just gonna confirm some things. I think you already believe. I think you know we believe. Uh, I'm not, in the, you know, I'm not going again. What I'm about to talk about here, I believe 100%. But I believe there's something else we need to remember on top of all these other things. And so I'm gonna show you something, remind you of something that you probably already know. But then I want to show you something else that I think we forget about sometimes. And we'll start reading verse 1, and then I'll show you what we're talking about. But it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I want you to notice those last couple of verses there. There really is only one true faith, isn't there? Okay, there's one, there's one way to heaven, right? There is one God, there is one Lord, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. I mean, this idea and this attitude that the world has today that there are many ways, many paths to heaven is just flat out wrong. And we need to contend for the faith. We need to stay strong for the truth. For sure, we're not gonna, we're not gonna compromise. We're not gonna give in to those things. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay? Remember that. And then, uh, and we, so, you know, in the Bible, you know, things are very clear, okay? What is sin is, you know, we find that out through the Bible, okay? Through this one book that we have. The one book that everybody should have, okay? This Bible I'm holding in my hand is the Bible that every church and every religion should be using. The Christ we preach is the one that every church, that everybody in the world should be preaching, should be talking about. I mean, with God, there are no gray areas. Go to Psalms chapter 19 and verse 7 if you want to turn over there. Psalms chapter 19 and verse 7. I referenced this in Sunday school this morning, but I want to read, read these verses to you. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Notice all these things. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true and righteous. I mean, this, that's that, our Bible that we're talking about. That is the Word of God. It's all there. It's all right. It's all perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. We don't need to update it. We don't need to change it. We don't need to improve it. I mean, what we have here is perfect. Our God is perfect. Our Bible is perfect. I mean, there is no question about it. Also, the Bible tells us we are. We're supposed to contend for the faith. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. You don't need, if you want to follow along with these, you can, but I'm going to be flipping around pretty quick. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. We had read it, but I want to look at it again real quick. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Okay? We're supposed to try to keep people unified. Now, I know the thinking today is the way we, the way to unity or the path to unity is through compromise, right? Okay, you know, you can't have this attitude of one Lord, one faith, one baptism and still have unity. You need to be a little more open to other religions and other gods. You know, you King James only people, you know, you're, all you're doing is causing division. We need to have unity. That's what we're supposed to strive for, right? Well, it does say here we're supposed to try to keep the unity, but the unity is supposed to be in truth, right? I mean, what? who cares if we all come together and we all find unity in a lie? Okay? One of these days, the world is going to be unified with the Antichrist, right? But that's in a lie. Is that what God's talking about? I mean, the goal is not unity. You know, I'm getting tired of hearing politicians all the time talking about how good they are at reaching across the aisle and you know, working with both sides and compromising like it's a great thing. I don't want a leader like that. I want some guy who's a big mouth that's a knucklehead that just goes and says how it is and doesn't care. And I don't know a thing about him, but I don't even think he's in Congress anymore. I think he got ran out of town. But I remember his name and I won't ever forget his name. And he might have been terrible. But all I know about him is this one thing and I was so impressed and I wish more people would do that. But anybody know who... I think he was a congressman. Joe Wilson. Anybody know who... Know that name? Anybody know what Joe Wilson was known for? What was he known for? Yes, he called him out right during one of his speech. He yelled, "You lie!" And and I remember Nancy Pelosi's face. She just, I mean, got this furious look and looked over at him. And man, if looks could kill, that guy would have turned he turned a stone right there. I mean, it was it was that kind of look. And oh, that was terrible. That was rude. That was that was. True. <laughs> I mean, one. I, I mean, it was so weird hearing truth coming from the halls of Congress, and it was all and just one guy who wasn't supposed to be talking. And I loved it. I mean, I, I think we need some people that are just going to go and just stir things up a little bit. And I, I think that's a good thing. That's what I want. Maybe that's not right. Maybe that's not the right, not the right attitude. But you know what? I'd still like to see it. And that's that's kind of what I want. I I appreciate that kind of thing. But we're supposed to contend for the faith, and who cares about unity if it's in a lie? Okay. And we're, the unity that God wants is in truth. And if we've got to fight for that, and we need to try to get people to you know come to the realization of the truth. And so also we see in Jude. Chapter 1, verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Alright? To contend. Alright? To contend. To fight for it. Okay? I mean, it's like in a boxing match. You'll have contenders. People, they're fighting each other. Why? Because they both, you know, are, they're both against each other. And we are against the world. We're against the lies of this world, and we've got to contend for the faith. There's people out there that they want to pervert it, they want they want to change it, and they're being 
very successful today because not too many people are contending for the faith. Too many people just rolling over trying to find out what you know. Let's try to find something that we have in common with them, so we can you know people just are tired of fighting. And the Bible says to earnestly contend for the faith. So we're supposed to we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to live out our faith. Matthew five verse fourteen. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law and the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we see we're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to let people see it. Okay? We're supposed, we're supposed to be a light to the world. Okay? And if we shine a light, if, if our life is a light, okay, what's that going to do? It's going to show what's going on in darkness, right? So us living right and letting our light shine, it's going to show other people that what they're doing is wrong. You see that? And I know we're not ever supposed to make anybody feel bad. And that's not the goal, okay? We're not trying to put people on a guilt trip. That's not necessarily the goal, but we are supposed to be an example. You know, Paul told Timothy, be an example of the believer. We're supposed to let our light shine to the world, and it ought to cause them to look different. You know, they ought to see Christian people, Christian families, and see the difference there, and it ought to cause them to say, you know, we must be doing something wrong. You know, we can't handle our one kid. That we've been using, you know, that we've been training with all the latest and greatest, you know, child psychology books that we've read. You know, we've done everything that all the, you know, quote unquote doctors have said to do with our child, and the kid's an animal rolling around on the floor, foaming at the mouth. You know, won't listen. And you know, these other people that have six kids, they seem to not have trouble. And you know, there's a difference. You know, and a lot of that is biblical discipline. Which I guess nowadays you can't really show that in public. You'll get in a lot of trouble. But you know, I think really one of the best things too, you know, for that is just you know, parents working together. And you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, the family setup in the world today—it's a joke, and it's it's not working. You know, everybody's wanting to drug their kids up. It doesn't work. You know, they think that spanking a kid is child abuse. Child abuse. But drugging a kid is good parenting. I, you know, I, don't, I got a lot of spankings growing up, a lot. And you know what? I don't have any physical problems as a result of that. Okay? I don't even have any psychological problems that I know of <laughs> as a result of that. But drugs, okay? You know, taking drugs. I mean, there is a lot of evidence that has a lot of physical effects, mental effects. I mean, there's a lot of you know proven problems that come with that, and yet. Spanking's child abuse. And my parents spanked me hard. And I don't have any physical problems today because of it. And if if it did give you physical problems, I should have them. But I don't. I guess my parents had pretty good aim. And I, I got hit in the leg several times. 
because you know I used to squirm a little bit. And uh, I remember one time my mom was spanking me, and you know, and I was doing the usual dance that they do when you're spanking. You know, and you're trying to get out of the way. And I remember I don't know how she like hit me in the leg, and my leg popped up, and I like kicked the paddle. And I remember I kind of turned, and I saw the paddle flying through the air. My mom like caught it by the handle and started spanking me again with it. That's the way I remember it. That's the way I saw it. It doesn't mean it happened that way. But that's what I remember. I remember seeing the paddle fly through the air, my mom catch it, and just start spanking me like nothing happened. And <laughs> said, kids sometimes remember things different than they happened. <laughs> but that's the way I remember it. And so I'm going to continue to tell that story and not be lying. <laughs> but, you know, it, it worked. Okay? And we're supposed to live out our faith. You know, there's nothing wrong... In fact, it's wonderful to see families going to church on Sunday. And you know what? It's not a bad thing if you look like you came from church. I mean, there's been many times we've been out to eat or something and people are oh, it looks like you guys have been at church. And I know you're not supposed to do that today. We're supposed to go to church casual. We're supposed to look like we haven't been at church because if you go out to eat or go into the store or something after church, you're going to make all the people feel bad that didn't go to church. Because they know if you go to if you show up at Walmart at the restaurant dressed up in church clothes, they know you weren't out on a picnic. They know you didn't just come from the ball game. And maybe they did. And pe- people know they need to be in church. And you know, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. That's not why we do it. But you know what? We're not going to put our lamp under a bushel. We're not going to hide it. Okay? And I know a lot of times teenagers and stuff, you know, I've seen it before where they're going to go to the mall on Sunday afternoon. They've got to make sure they go home and change first. Why? Afraid somebody's going to see you in church clothes? You were at church. You trying to hide it? Don't, don't hide it. Okay? I'm not, and I'm not talking about flaunting it. But the Bible says don't hide it under a bushel. Okay? Let your light shine. We don't need to go into hiding. We don't need to go undercover. You know, we need to teach others about our faith. Those, you know, Bible says that whosoever shall obey these least commandments and teach others, they'll be the greatest. But those who break the least commandments and teach others, they'll be the least in the kingdom of heaven. So, understand all these things. We are supposed to do them. We're supposed to live out our faith. But here's the thing. All right, a lot of times. As Baptists, I think, and I'm speaking for Baptists because that's all I've ever been. Okay, I I never was a part of any other religion, so maybe they do the same thing. I I don't I don't know, but you know, sometimes even though we're right, we kind of go about it the wrong way. We kind of have a wrong attitude while being right. Okay, you know, and I know for me, growing up, and even even with my wife, sometimes you know. Me, it's sometimes it's just about being right, isn't it? You know, when you're having that argument with your wife, maybe, and you know you're right. Well, yeah, you know, I was right again. I say that all the time, you know, because it happens all the time. (laughs) I was right again, and now maybe I was right, but is that the right attitude to have? Probably not. Okay, for example, one of the things that I, I personally believe, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the different cultures and church and stuff, is that the whole King James issue, it's become a cultural thing. And it shouldn't be. But the thing is, sometimes King James people were so ugly about it. Ah, if you don't believe the King James, you're just stupid. You know? Okay, maybe that's right. 
But maybe that's not the right attitude to have. And sometimes we're right, but we that way with the wrong attitude. And we can look at verses like the one we read there in Ephesians and see, you know, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, you know, contend for the faith, all those things, and it's true. But let's look at verse seven that we stopped. We stopped reading at verse six. Let's look at verse seven. After it says, "One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all." Then it says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Notice that every one of us have been given grace. You see, besides Christ, there is no perfect example of someone's faith. Everyone had a fault in some area except for Jesus Christ, didn't they? Nobody was ever perfect in their faith. Okay, as Baptists, we can talk about how great we are all we want. We can talk about our doctrine all we want and about how great we are. We can talk King James Bible all we want. But did you know that God has to give us grace? He does. We still need God's grace in our life, not just for salvation, but even in our everyday life for God's blessing. We need God's grace. And for all of us, for everyone, God has had to Give us grace. He has had to be gracious with us because we're not as great as we think. We're not as perfect as we think. We like the fact, you know, because we've got this perfect book that we seem to be one of the only ones proclaiming that fact. Well, then it's like we're thinking we must be pretty good. No, our book's good, but we're not necessarily that great. God has to give us grace just like someone else who might not be as right in their doctrine as we are. Someone who might not be as good as we think we are. God has to give us grace just like He gives them grace. And because of this grace, we should do all these things that we've been talking about. We need to contend for the faith. We need to be strong on doctrine. I mean, we need to take a stand for things. We need to set an example. But here in this passage in Ephesians 4, it tells us how to do it. It tells us how to, how we're supposed to go about this. And it tells us at the end, you know, that unto every one of us is given grace. Okay? Just because we're serving the one Lord, we have, because we have that one Spirit, because of that, it doesn't mean we're that great. God had to give us grace. And so how are we supposed to go about it? What should our attitude be? Well, it tells us in verse 2, first of all, it says, with all lowliness. Philippians 2.3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Okay. Now, this is going to be hard here for a second, but and I'm not... I am not trying to compromise on our faith one bit, okay? I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, you know, I die, I'll be Baptist dead, okay? I mean, I, you've, all, you've all heard those things before. I feel that way. Uh, we're, not, we're not changing the name. Uh, but at the same time, there are other places out there that don't have Baptists on their name that I believe are saved people that are on their way to heaven. They love the Lord, they're doing the best they can. And you know, let's just go ahead and assume. All right, we're going to assume right now that we're better than them. Okay, and that might sound like a terrible attitude. Okay, but let, you know, let's let's just assume that we are correct 
in that area. That our doctrine is better, it's closer to you know, exactly what is right. But here's the thing. No matter what we say, God has to be gracious towards us, doesn't He? I guarantee you, while there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we do that God probably looks at that and just thinks, what is wrong with these people? Why have they not figured this out yet? I guarantee it. There are many things like that. And the Bible tells us that you know, we need to be, have that lowliness of mind. Okay? And even if we are better than everybody else, that's not supposed to be our attitude, is it? Okay? So we'll, I'll just give you that. Okay? Well, alright, fine. We're better than everybody else. I'm not really. I'm not saying I really think that, but I'm just going to give that to you right now. And if we are, we're not supposed to think that way. We're not Bible. So we're supposed to esteem other better than themselves. And I think that I don't. And I think that applies to within the church. All right, when it comes to the different families and members here in the church, boy, if we wanted to, we could act like Christ's disciples and argue about who's the greatest. Right, who do you think's the greatest family in this church? Well, you know, and then we can all start, you know, talking about what we do and whatever. But you know, the truth is, God has to give grace to every single one of us, and we are not supposed to have that attitude. We're supposed to have be in lowliness of mind. We ought to have the attitude that we are. Your attitude should be, I am the worst person in this church. That ought to esteem others better than themselves. I'm not better than anybody else in this church. You know, maybe, well, am I allowed to have that attitude since I'm the pastor? We're like, well, I'm the pastor, so I'm definitely better than everybody else, right? Well, not necessarily because God doesn't call everybody to be the pastor of the church. And if God's called you to be a member of the church, you can be more right with God in what you're doing than I am. You know, just because of a position doesn't make anybody better. And the truth is, you know, if you're a member in the church and you're just being obedient to you're being more obedient to God than I am, then as far as the kingdom of God's concerned, well, there's a good chance I might be working for you when that when that day comes. I mean, we don't know. And the truth is, it's God that He has to give all of us grace. He's the only one that knows, I guess, you know, who's on top of the totem pole or however you want to put it, who's the best. We have no idea if we were to, you know, go down a list and say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna do a poll to see who the best people in the church is from the top to the bottom. That'd be a terrible thing to do, it would cause a lot of problems. But if we were to do that, chances are we're gonna get it way wrong. If there was some way we could match it up with God's. We're not gonna do it right. And even with other religions, I think when it comes when it comes to it, we ought to have we ought to be have that attitude of lowliness of mind. Okay, that you know what? I'm not going to worry about what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to worry about what every other church is doing. I'm going to do what I believe God wants me to do. I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm just going to pray that the Lord will be gracious and merciful to me in the areas where I fail, because I will fail. And when it comes to what other people are doing, I think we would be wise to pray for God to be merciful and gracious to them. Because even though we might be getting more things right than they are, God still has to give us grace too. And if we have this attitude, oh Lord, boy, those people are so far off. You know, they're not King James only. They're just only King James. That's not as good as King James only either. And Lord, you just need to close the doors of that place down. I don't know if we ought to have that attitude. I think we ought to have the attitude of Lord, be gracious to them. Lord, reveal the truth to them. 
And maybe that's the way He will be with us in the areas where we are not exactly where we should be. Because I mean, you know, we've all we've all been there before where there was things that we did that weren't exactly right, but later we learned. Aren't we glad that God didn't give up on us? Maybe back when you were off on a, in a certain area doctrinally, aren't you glad God didn't hit you with a lightning bolt like we wanted to do with everybody else? We need to have an attitude of lowliness of mind with all lowliness and meekness. First Peter three fifteen, I think Baptists, you know, we like to make fun of people who use the NIV because of all the verses the NIV leaves out. But I think we've we've tried to erase this one from our King James Bibles. First Peter three fifteen, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Okay, we're supposed to answer with meekness and fear. If somebody comes to you, and you know, we're, we're bad about this sometimes as Baptists, somebody comes up to us, well, you know, I've always thought that to get to heaven, you had to be baptized. Alright, you know, most of, what's wrong with you? What are you, Catholic? What are you, a Methodist? Hey, this isn't the Church of Christ anymore. This is a Baptist church. Maybe you ought to get out of here and go to one of those other churches that teaches that. You, sorry, lose, think you got to work your way to heaven. What's wrong with you? Get out of here. What does the Bible say to do? Answer them with meekness and fear. And listen, sometimes I want to just blow people out of the water. Daniel was with me yesterday. I got, you know, there was kind of a question discussion going on that we had that something was stated that I absolutely, not only did I completely disagree with it, it aggravated the tar out of me. And I was really nice about it. But I didn't want to be. I mean, it just, there's certain subjects that just get my dander up. But you know what? I I try to remember that with meekness and fear. With meekness and fear. <laughs> I would have rather yelled and called names. But if I'd have done that, I probably never would have gotten asked another question. The same person that asked a lot of good questions that were that were good. And if I'd have just blown up right then, it's the last question I'm getting asked. Last that would have been the last chance I would have to witness to that person. And we've got to learn to do that with Meekness. Listen, you might be able to, you know, meekness. A lot of ways I've heard that explained. It's to, you know, it's to have strength but under control. You might be able to just completely blow somebody out of the water. Oh, that person's going to try to debate me. Well, I'll show them, and then we can just go and just. I mean, we could tell them off in front of everybody. I mean, just embarrass them, humiliate them. Is that what the Bible says to do? We're supposed to do it with meekness and fear. And so while we are supposed to earnestly contend for the faith, we need to make sure we maintain that attitude of meekness and fear. It's it's in the Bible. And we've got and we've uh, we can't be trying to erase that or skipping over that. It's there. We need to do it. Be ready to answer questions. If if you do, if you just jump all over somebody, they're not going to ask any more questions. And people aren't just going to automatically understand everything. because Just because somebody walks in this church one time and comes to one service, they're not all of a sudden going to know everything it means to be a Baptist. They're not going to all of a sudden know everything about the Bible. you got to give people time. And especially if somebody's come from a false religion, sometimes it takes a long people for, things, for people to unlearn things. I mean, people can get things pretty messed up in their heads sometimes. And we have got to, while contending for the faith, we've got to keep that spirit of lowliness and meekness. 
Some of the question, hey, you know, I used to go to, you know, the the Mormon church. And the Mormon church, they always taught us, you know, that Jesus actually came over to America and, you know, well, what were you doing in that cult? Oh, they're a bunch of devil worshiping. That's a devil worshiping cult. What's wrong with you? Don't you know how they got their Book of Mormon? Joseph Smith got some magical glasses where he was able to read these gold tablets and he wrote down the Book of Mormon? That's just stupid. How did they, how'd you get sucked into that? You must be stupid. Do you think we're going to get anywhere with that person? But well, that's how we are sometimes. And I tell you, there, there's preachers out there, I mean, they will have somebody come into their church, sit in one of their services, maybe the guy's wearing an earring or something, and they'll call them out right from the pulpit. What are you, sissy boy? What are you doing like coming in here like that? It, that's not how it works. That's not with lowliness of mind. That is not with meekness and fear. You know, you need to show him a little bit of grace. Okay? He came from the world. The world teaches that it's okay to do that kind of thing. Our world teaches that if a guy wants to wear a dress, he can wear a dress. Okay? They're, they're not teaching these people the Bible. Do you really think that, you know, a lot of these people grew up with a Bible in their home? Do you think they were taught the Bible in their public schools? Do you think they've read, you know, Leviticus where it says, a woman shall not wear that which pertaineth to a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garments? You think they've ever heard that verse before? I mean, that verse isn't even preached in most Baptist churches because they're scared it's going to offend somebody. And yet, we're going to just jump all over somebody that has never been taught those things, not show them any grace at all. That is not what God wants us to do. Just because we're right in some areas does not mean God is not giving us grace all the time. And we're talking about giving the same grace that we have been given. So with meekness and then long suffering, Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's going to take some people a while to get the truth. And thank God God's long suffering with us. He puts up with us for a long time. He will deal with our hearts for a long time because it's not His desire for us to perish. It's His desire that we will come to repentance. And sometimes it takes a long time. And you know, I'm, I'm like anybody else. I get impatient sometimes. Man, these people, they've been coming to the church for four years. And they still haven't figured this out yet. What's wrong with them? When are, they going to, when are people going to figure this out? When are people going to understand this? Sometimes people are slow. They really are. And you know what? Maybe to God, we're slow. I'm sure there's still plenty of things that you and I have not figured out yet that God wants us to figure out. And yet, He's still putting up with us. He's showing us grace. And just because people don't pick up on things as fast as we think they should, we're going to have to be patient. God does that with us. 2 Timothy 4.2 Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, why do you think Paul told Timothy to have long suffering in his preaching? Because I think because Paul knew that just because Timothy gets up and preaches a message and shows somebody from the Bible what is true, that not everybody's going to do it right away. 
Okay? It takes people a long time sometimes. I have preached so many messages that I thought this is the one, this message, everybody's going to figure it out, everybody's going to get their act together after this, and you go up and preach it, and then it's like it just right over their head. Right in one ear, right out the other. Didn't help. They didn't, they didn't get it. You know, what am I supposed to do? Well, the Bible says to just do it with all long suffering and doctrine. Just keep on teaching. You know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to keep on doing it. Maybe teach it again. Well, you know, like, or I could just get up and just finally lose it on everybody, call them all out. Alright, you know what? The Bible doesn't seem to be helping y'all anymore. Alright, I tried this not forsaking the assembling verse on you. Y'all didn't get it. Y'all didn't figure it out. You, and just call them out. Where were you last Sunday? You were supposed to be here. Next week, you better be here. You know what? Hey, we have church Sunday night, Wednesday night. Where are you? Who cares about your stinking TV show? Y'all better show up. I tried to be nice. I tried to show you not forsaking the assembling. Y'all didn't get it. You, you know, Brother Lonnie, you're a heathen. Alright? You better be here next time. You know, that's, you know, that's not how it works. That would be the easy thing to do. That would be the easy thing to do. I Sometimes I'd like to go all Nehemiah on people. And if you remember that, that was, you know, Nehemiah, he went, he started pulling people's hair out and started smiting people and cursing them. But, you know, sometimes that would be the fun thing to do. You know, maybe if I, maybe, you know, not forsaking the assembly, that's not working. Maybe if I get up and I cuss everybody out and I go pull people's hair and hit some folks, maybe that will work, right? Is that what God has told us to do? No. He just said, be instant, in season, out of season. And there's a lot of stuff that's out of season right now that we're preaching. And the Bible says we're supposed to do it with all long suffering and doctrine. It means it's going to take a long time. And it's easy sometimes. You can go looking at other churches where it maybe it's like, oh, you know, how, can, how are they getting people to do this? Well, they've been there a lot longer than we have. Some of these churches, they've been around 50, 60 years. People have been saved 20, 30, 40 years. You know, it, the, things don't just happen overnight. They don't just fall into place overnight. And the truth is, you know, there are things that I could do that would probably work, maybe get bigger crowds here. You know, if I twisted some arms, I might be able to make people do some things, but it's not going to last. It's not going to be for real. And so you just got to be long suffering. Do what the Bible says. Also, it says, so, um, with all lowliness, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another in love. In other words, putting up with each other. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You're just gonna have to put up with some folks. It's like, man, why aren't they getting it? Why aren't they figuring it out? You know what? You're just you're gonna have to love them, just like your kids that you have. Okay? I mean, sometimes them little kids they do things that are annoying. Okay? You know, we we've got one in diapers right now. It's like, you know, I'm looking forward to when she gets out of diapers. And you know what? Some kids it might take a little longer to get them out of diapers than it did some of your other kids. And you know what? You can't just give up on them. you got to keep working on with them. You know, alright, they're, they're three, still having problems. Alright, we're going to 
send them off to the orphanage. We're going to sell them to the gypsies. You can't do that. And it's like sometimes even preachers, they just get so fed up with their church members, they're just not figuring it out, and they do. They will go and they'll just blow them out of the water and they offend them and they'll run them out of the church and they'll lose them. And then instead of the preacher saying, you know what, maybe I should have been more merciful, maybe I should have been more gracious, they get up and church next time, well, they went out from us because they were not of us. That's what the Bible says. Couldn't handle hard preaching. They probably weren't even saved. No, maybe you have a bad attitude. Maybe you didn't show them the same grace that God shows to you all the time. Maybe that's the case. So, yeah, maybe we're maybe you were right. Yeah, you probably were right, but you're still supposed to be gracious because there's plenty of areas where we're wrong and God's right, and He doesn't strike us with lightning all the time. He is gracious with us. Ephesians four eleven through thirteen. Look what it says. Verse 11, it says, "...and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." You know, God has given different positions. He's given different parts of the body and we're supposed to just keep on working at it till we all come to unity. And that, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to completely come to that until Christ returns. But in the meantime, we're supposed to be working at it, and we're supposed to be working at it with in lowliness and meekness, long suffering, forbearing and love. We're supposed to do all those things. Someday, we will all be in unity and agreement. And you know what? God has been merciful to us when we've been in error. So I think we should go ahead and be merciful to others who are in error. And you know what? That process can take a long time with some people. And that's why God said to be long-suffering. There's, it's gonna, we are going to feel like it's taken them too long. There must be something wrong with them. But... Bible says be long suffering. It doesn't. It doesn't give a timeline or a date. Some people they get it and they get it quick. They change quick. Some people it is a long, slow process. We've just and we've just got to be faithful. You as an individual, you need to set an example. You need to keep on doing what's right. You need to encourage others to do what's right. And in the meantime, while they're not, you've got to be gracious with them. God has been gracious with us to every one of us. Is given, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Okay? God, has, God still has to be gracious with you. Wherever you're at in your Christian life right now, no matter how good you think you are, there's still areas that God has to be gracious towards you. And so I think it's safe to say we should be gracious towards other people in the areas where they're lacking. So with that, let's all stand together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Giving the same grace that we've been given. The Bible says to you know, forgive, us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I believe we ought to give grace the same way we want grace. We want God to be gracious with us. Us, I believe if, that, if we want that, then we need to be gracious with other people. So as the pianist plays tonight, the Lord spoke to your heart. It's real easy to be down on people and just get a bad attitude. I was preaching to myself tonight as much as anybody else. 
I wish when everybody got saved, they just automatically were everything they should be, but we're all a work in progress. That's why we have church every week. That's why we're going to keep on doing it until the Lord returns. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your attendance this evening. I hope this was a help to you. I hope you will stand strong in the faith. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of what's right. But when you see those who aren't what you feel they should be, just be gracious. Remind yourself, you know, what does God think about what I'm doing? And just thank Him for the grace that He sheds in our life. And I don't think we'll even fully understand how gracious God was with us until we get to heaven. When we see Him, we are going to realize, wow, the Lord let me get away with a lot. And I think we can extend a little bit of grace towards other people.